Let us continue in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. How can we prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ? The day of the Lord is what the Bible refers to his second coming as. For unbelievers, that day of the Lord will usher in eternal night. For those who are saved in Christ, that day of the Lord will usher in eternal day. And we're just asking ourselves, how can we get ready? Not through uh, times and seasons and all of that. Uh, some people are obsessed about that. That's not the way. Uh, we're not into times and seasons. But concerning the times and the seasons, verse 1 of chapter 5, brethren... You have no need. You have no need. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, this is where we were last Sunday, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. And this is what we're going to look at, God willing, tonight. Putting on the breastplates of faith and love. We're children of the day. We are in the light. The church in the West needs to be wide awake. We are not. We're in a state of slumber. That's why we're praying for revival. Reviving is waking up. And we are to sober up. I don't think the church in the West is that sober either at this moment. Because we are intoxicated with all sorts of distractions. But Paul is urging the Thessalonians and us as well, as children of the day, as those who are to be awake and alert, we're not to be uh, yawning away through life we are going home and we want to be uh, ready don't we and we're not to lounge our way spiritually uh, think of Packer's book laid back Christianity he's not recommending it he's writing against it but there's a picture on the cover of somebody lounging on uh, uh, sun chair uh, and there's nothing wrong with doing that uh, in terms of having a rest a holiday but spiritually we're not into that and we're not to uh, uh, be wearing our spiritual pajamas uh, through this life we are to be properly dressed so that's what we're going to look at this evening to live alert, appropriately dressed, 
wide awake so that if Jesus Christ comes back tomorrow, we are ready. Now, interestingly, there's not much in the Bible as to what we should wear as Christians. Uh, there is the verses we're going to consider this evening, verse 8 especially, where to put on this breastplate. And then look at Ephesians 6, which Nathan read to us. We're a bit sluggish. I don't want to be preaching on being alert and see people yawning and people sluggish. So can we make a bit of an effort to, if you've got a Bible, look at it and turn to Ephesians 6. Here endeth the first lesson. Ephesians 6. What else are we to put on? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5, there's only mention of the breastplates. But in Ephesians 6, there's mention of other items that we are to put on and they're all spiritual armor so in Ephesians 6 it's not the breastplate of faith and love but the breastplate of righteousness there's also the belt of truth and the feet uh, shod with the shoes of the gospel and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation so there is armor there is much in the New Testament about the armour that we've got to wear. And then in Romans 13, uh, there is talk there about spiritual armour. So let's read Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us clothe ourselves, put on the armour of light. Verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if we look at Timothy, so there is talk of armour. So how can I be appropriately dressed as a Christian in order to live as a child of the day? You wear the spiritual armour. That's the first thing. Have you got your armour on? We're going to look at that in a moment. But then there's a few other things about clothes and the Christian. And uh, there is one Timothy. Uh, Paul is writing to this young minister and he is telling him what people ought to wear as Christians. Uh, listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. That the women adorn themselves in modest clothes with propriety and moderation not with braiding of the hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Isn't that interesting? Where to be appropriately dressed in terms of modesty, not expensive clothing. And then one more, uh, because there isn't that much. Uh, Peter says something similar. And remember, Peter was a fisherman, so we can understand uh, the plain speech here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine clothing. Negative. What is the dress of the Christian? Armour. We'll look at one item tonight. Not luxury. Moderate. Very well. 
Let's look at the item here that Paul mentions to the Thessalonians. Have you got it on tonight? The breastplate of faith and love. If you know your Old Testament, you will realize that Paul is quoting here from the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 59. I haven't got many more references, but this is one you can turn to because it's important. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 17. Isaiah 59 verse 17. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Who is he? Paul is writing to Christians that we put on the breastplate of righteousness. But Paul is saying it's the Messiah who has put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now we'll see why uh, the emphasis is on Christ. As Nathan was praying, I'm here this evening to lift up Christ. I'm not here to give you a do-it-yourself sermon in spiritual warfare. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And do you notice something else about uh, this uh, breastplate? Ephesians 5.8. The breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope. What have you got there? Faith, love, hope. Have we come across those before? Can you remember back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3? Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. Paul is obsessed about this triad. This is what he is interested in, in terms of the Christian. The Christian life isn't about outward things. It's not about what should I wear to church on a Sunday. It's not about uh, this or that, outward things. It's about these spiritual qualities. How are we in our faith, hope and love? That's what God is asking. Now, let's look at this first item of clothing then, breastplates. I'm not in a breastplate, am I? I'm, I'm in a suit. But Paul says we've got to have a breastplate. Now, what's a breastplate? Let's start by asking this question. Do you know what a breastplate is? It was something that a Roman soldier wore to protect his trunk. So uh, I'm trying not to look at the doctors here this evening. <laughs> but the breastplate that the Roman soldier wore would protect the upper part of the trunk, uh, the vital organs, I've got this right, haven't I? The heart and the lungs. You can't function without your heart and lungs. But this is the key. The breastplate would also cover the abdominal cavity. Have I got that right? The abdominal uh, organs. And these would be uh, the kidneys, the bowels, uh, the liver uh, around here. So what Paul is saying is this. You need to protect yourself spiritually. You need to protect your hearts, your lungs spiritually. But you need to protect also your spiritual kidneys, your spiritual bowels. Dear me, you're saying, 
What is the pastor going on about? Now, we've got to understand these terms biblically, all right? So, if you are familiar with Jeremiah, Jeremiah in one place complains, my bowels, oh, my bowels. He didn't have stomachache. What he's referring to is a depth of feeling. So, in the original, it is literally my bowels. So, the Bible and the ancient world would view the abdominal organs as the seats of the feelings. So, when Jeremiah is complaining about his bowels, he hasn't got a stomach bug. He's deeply moved. And the psalmist talks about his kidneys. He's not complaining about kidney stones. He is yearning for God. Take the authorized version in Philippians 2 verse 1. Do you know what it says? If then there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any... Does anybody know what it says? Bowels of mercies. Now, some of the modern translations have changed that, but in the original, it is the bowels, this yearning for compassion. Weren't you feeling that on Wednesday nights as Adrian Carey Jones was talking about the needs in Romania? These bowels of mercy. Even in modern speech, we talk about the abdominal organs, don't we, uh, to describe our feelings. So if somebody is getting things off his chest, he's said to be venting his spleen. Isn't, isn't that interesting? So when we're thinking of this item of clothing, which we've all got to wear as Christians, we're thinking about protecting our feelings. That's so important. We're all creatures that have emotions. Now, some have more emotions than others, but we've all got to watch our feelings. Listen, brother, sister, if the devil is going to get you, he will often target your feelings. And those of us who are Welsh, we have this disposition, don't we, where we live according to our feelings, when a Welshman feels good, then everything is going well. But let a Welshman feel down, and it's all over. Now, the devil can get in then, can't he? So we've got to watch our feelings. Uh, let, let me just give an example. Uh, we may have uh, a blessing. Uh, we may be reading the Bible in our quiet time and a verse stands out and speaks to us. Or we may be in prayer and given great liberty. Or we may be sitting in a church service like this and God meets with us. And for days, weeks, even months afterwards, we may be on a spiritual high, but eventually those feelings will disappear because that's the nature of feelings. Feelings come and go. And we may feel dry and we may start to worry that there's something wrong with us spiritually. And the devil begins to attack us. And we begin to doubt then whether we are spiritual or whether we're even saved. Does that sound familiar? So what Paul is saying is, 
make sure that you have this breastplate to protect your feelings. How often we equate spirituality with how we feel. So how do I protect my feelings? How do I learn the lesson that the hymn says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Sweetest frame talks about the sweetest emotions. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. How do we stop ourselves, not just as individuals, but as a company of people from getting dragged down by our feelings? That's what the devil wants. If he can get in at our feelings or lack of them, he cannot just drag one person down. He can drag a whole group of people down. Put a group of Welsh ministers together sometimes. Uh, sorry, Andy, for saying this, but you know what I mean, coming from uh, across the border, especially on a Monday morning. And we can drag ourselves down. We're like that sergeant in Dad's army. Was it Fraser? We're doomed. We're doomed. We're not protecting our feelings. Now then, all I want to ask tonight is how do we, how do we put on this breastplate of faith and love? How do I protect my feelings? How can I live a Christian life that's not defeated? We, we give the impression, don't we, that we're on the losing side so often because we're relying on our feelings. How can I do it? Well, let's look at what Paul says. It's a breastplate of faith and love. We'll just look at faith tonight. Faith. Why? Because without faith, <laughs> you can't please God. Without faith, you're not saved. Without faith, you haven't even stepped one step in your Christian life. By faith, we begin. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the foundation. We are justified by faith alone. Let me give you the two famous passages here. About the same time that he wrote Thessalonians, another early letter of Paul was Galatians. And people were arguing in the church of Galatia about outward things, in particular circumcision. And there were some people saying, if you're circumcised, you're saved. You can't be saved. Faith in Christ isn't enough unless you are circumcised as well. And Paul sees through that. And Paul doesn't mince any words. He comes in and he breaks the spell. And he says, no, no, no. We are justified by faith alone. And he puts it like this. Let me read one verse, Galatians 2.16. It's a grand statement of faith. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, whether that's circumcision, whether that's coming to church, whether that's saying our prayers, whether that's reading our Bibles, whether that's good works, Man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. And just in case we didn't get the message, for by the works of the law, 
no one shall be justified. You can't get it any clearer than that, can you? And then a little later on in Romans, he expands on this great truth of justification by faith. And we could be here all night reading Romans, but I'm only going to give you two verses from Romans chapter 5. Listen to this. We are to be girded with a breastplate of faith. That means we are standing, stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. How can I stand if I have these feelings of defeats, if I've got a guilty conscience? How is it possible? This is how you do it, says Paul. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Praise God. We stand by faith, nothing else. And by grace, we're still standing. Do you realize the foundation? Faith alone. I'm concerned sometimes for evangelicalism in the West today because we pay lip service to that, but works creep in through the back, don't they? Ever so subtle, ever so subtle. We were looking at John 3.16 this morning, or starting to look at it. Luther preached on it many centuries ago. This was in 1522. <laughs> Wasn't around then. And he asked the question, what is the gospel? What is faith? It is this, that God has sent his son into the world to save sinners, John 3, 16. And to crush hell, overcome death, take away sin and satisfy the law. But what must you do? What must I do? Nothing but accept this and look up to your redeemer and firmly believe that he has done all this for your good and freely gives you all as your own so that the terrors of death, sin and hell, in the midst of them, you can confidently say and boldly depend upon it and say, and this is what it is, you don't rely on your feelings, although I do not fulfill the law, although sin is still present and I fear death and hell, Nevertheless, from the gospel I know that Christ has bestowed on me all his works and I'm sure he will not lie. His promise he will surely fulfill. Upon this I anchor my confidence. Do we see that? It's so simple, isn't it, in one sense? And yet in another sense, it's only seen by the Spirit's illumination. That Christ has done all. He's paid the debts. There is nothing for you and I to pay. So, trusting in him alone, we stand forgiven at the cross. Are you standing? Or are you still trying to look within, trying to come up with something? I was for months as a student, trying to believe until I realize that believing isn't trying, it's surrendering.
Now, you may say to me, Pastor, why are you saying all of this? It's a teaching service tonight. It was the gospel service this morning. Well, I've got a few reasons. Not everybody here is going to be saved. So we all need to be reminded, even in a teaching service, that justification is by faith alone. But the other reason is this. Paul says, put on the breastplates of faith. The word in the Greek for put on is interesting. It can have two meanings. It can mean having put on something that we did when we were saved. And that's right. We've put it on. But also it means, and I think this is the meaning here, we put it on day by day. Now, this is what I want to help you to do this evening, and then we'll be done. How do I protect my feelings? How, how do I put on the breastplates of faith? What do I do? I was trying to look for hymns that talked about putting on the spiritual armor. And there's a whole section in our hymn book called Spiritual Warfare. It's interesting that a lot of them are written from a certain period, 18th, 19th century. I'd be interested to know if there are any newer hymns that talk about spiritual conflict. It's not something that's in vogue. But here is one hymn. How do I put on this breastplate of faith? Put on the gospel armour, each piece put on with prayer. Isaiah 59 again. The verse that Paul is quoting from about the breastplate of righteousness is first applied to Christ. So how do I put it on? Well, surely it's by asking Jesus Christ to help me. Just as you turn to Christ and ask him to save you, you turn to him every day. When you're prone to look within, what do you do? How does another hymn put it? When Satan tempts me, this is how you put it on. You get familiar with the word of God. So that verses come to you. You familiarize yourself with the hymns. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, don't have a long conversation with him. He will get the better of you. Upward I look and see Christ, him there who made an end of all my sin. You don't look within. You look up, up look, not out look. Are we doing that? We're not very good at that in Welsh evangelicalism. We're great at looking down our navels and taking our spiritual temperature. If only we would look up more. Look up. We're on the winning side. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. And one day the trump of the Lord will sound. And our Conquering hero will return and he will bring us home. Upward we look. So I put on independence on Jesus. Quoting the same hymn, stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will 
fail you. You dare not trust your own. Can you see how we put it on? I'm not depending on myself. I'm not looking at my feelings. I'm looking at Christ. And I'm reminding myself of what Christ has done. Not how I feel. Remember that illustration that Dale Ralph Davis gives in one of his commentaries about an octogarian that would come down every morning and he'd be full of beans. What was his secret? How could a man be full of beans early in the morning? And he would announce the news. It's good news, he would say. And he would take his little tuning fork out and he would do what one does with tuning forks, which I don't know about. <laughs> and he would hit the tuning fork and he would say, that's middle C. That was middle C yesterday. That's middle C today. It will be middle C tomorrow. It will be middle C for eternity. It doesn't matter how you feel. The note of God's grace in Jesus Christ is the same. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Can you see how you do it? It's a daily battle, isn't it? Just as that man getting up every morning, would take out his tuning fork and he, he would stir himself up to do that. So we have to stir ourselves up every day. We don't just say, ah, yes, I put on faith when I first believed. Yes, you did. But now you're living a life of faith. So what is the life of faith? It's putting into practice what you have already started putting on. And so every day I arm myself with the word of God. That's why we read the Bible every day. And when the devil comes and I watch against his wiles and I realize that he will target me at my feelings, I don't rely on them. I rise above them and I look to Christ. And we have all these wonderful promises that points to him. Somebody said, I've never found out if this is true because I have not been able to count them, that be not afraid in the Bible is... Used 365 times, do you think that's the case? One for each day. One for each day. Well, I've got to draw to a conclusion. We want to go to the after meeting. We want to hear about how the Lord has been leading us. But can I give you one more example? This is one I found helpful. Uh, one believer who lived a few centuries ago called John Newton. He knew a thing or two about spiritual battle. He was a slave trader before he was converted. And the devil would often try and get him at that point by trying to get him to feel guilty as a Christian that he was no good. So what would Newton do? Would Newton just hide himself in his room? Shut himself from the world? Well, maybe at times. <laughs> we all do that, don't we? But this is what Newton did. He would put on every day this breastplate of faith. He gives his secret in one of his hymns. It's one of my favorites. He says in it, looking up to Christ, be thou my shield and hiding place. Lord, I've got no one else to turn to. What the devil says in many ways is right. I am a sinner. I'm still a sinner. I fail you, Lord. Every moment of every day, I fall. 
but be my shield and hiding place that sheltered near thy side. I may my fierce accuser face. I can turn to Satan and say to him, I often misunderstood this. It sounds at first, Satan, you've died. But Newton doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, thou, Jesus, has died. So Satan, you've got no hold on me. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. And what's he doing there? Who makes intercession for us. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Brother, sister, we're in a spiritual battle and we don't want to be slovenly. We want to be dressed smart in this battle. And that's not wearing a suit. It's wearing the armor, the breastplates of faith. You've got it. Because by faith we are saved. But are we putting it on every day? Are we alerts to what the devil is trying to do, distract us, distress us, cause us to doubt. And in that, are we turning to the death defeater, the devil defeater, and facing our accuser and telling him, he's died. You've got no hold on me. May God protect us in these things for his name's sake. Amen. Uh, let us now close by singing, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Uh, what number is it? 717. 717.
Father in heaven, we just thank thee that even in the midst of battle, uh, we can, as it were, uh, gather together like this in the barracks and just uh, encourage one another from thy word uh, to be strong, uh, to be uh, like men. Uh, Lord, just give us that uh, right manliness, not uh, something thuggish, but uh, that gentleman-like um, standing firm. Uh, and Lord, may we do it uh, only in thy strength. And may we especially put on every day this beautiful breastplate of faith. And may we be able to withstand the attacks of the evil one upon our feelings. Father, we can't pray that thou will take away our feelings, otherwise we wouldn't be human. But Lord, help us to not trust in them and to rise above them. And Lord, yes, we pray for uh, religious affections and for a sense of thy presence. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.